This is the Morning Press from Cast Iron Brains, a BrainIron.com production. Here's 11 minutes or less of news for today, Friday, December 8th, 2023. Hunter Biden was indicted last night in federal court in California on multiple charges of tax evasion and tax fraud. This is the second indictment of the year for President Joe Biden's son, who was also indicted in September on gun charges. The tax crimes are seen as the more serious of the suite of crimes of which Biden is accused, with federal prosecutors alleging that he failed to pay over a million dollars in taxes that he owed for income earned between 2016 and 2019. The indictment states, quote, The defendant spent this money on drugs, escorts and girlfriends, luxury hotels and rental properties, exotic cars, clothing, and other items of a personal nature. In short, everything but his taxes, end quote. The income in question was paid to Biden for his work as a consultant for firms in Ukraine and China, a fact that Republicans have sought to exploit for political purposes, suggesting that Hunter was being paid for the access that he provided to his more powerful father, a scheme that they have tried to pin on the president to prove that he is corrupt and should be impeached. Hunter Biden would face a maximum of 17 years in prison if convicted. A Texas judge issued a temporary restraining order to allow a woman to undergo an abortion and attempt to exempt her and her medical care providers from a state law banning the procedure. The woman, a mother of two, was informed that her fetus had trisomy 18, a chromosomal condition that causes severe growth retardation, heart defects, and a series of other life-threatening problems that usually results in stillbirth or death within the first month of birth. The 5 to 10 percent of infants born with the condition that survive their first year do so with severe intellectual and physical disabilities that prevent them from ever living independently. The woman's doctors had informed her that continuing to carry the fetus put her future fertility prospects in doubt, which, combined with the fatal diagnosis and her hopes to continue growing her family, caused her to seek an abortion. Though the judge's order seeks to prevent the state from enforcing its ban on the pregnant woman and her doctors, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton issued a statement insisting that the restraining order would, quote, not insulate hospitals, doctors, or anyone else from civil and criminal liability for violating Texas's abortion laws, end quote. The lawsuit is one among a number of efforts to force Texas to clarify the specific conditions in which medical exceptions to the state's strict abortion ban apply. In the Republican primary debate on Wednesday night, which was watched by about 4 million people, less than a third the number who tuned in to the first one, Nikki Haley presented a claim which had recently been circulating in conservative circles that, quote, for every 30 minutes that someone watches TikTok every day, they become 17% more anti-Semitic, more pro-Hamas based on doing that, end quote. Haley's claim is presented as difficult to understand and seemingly incoherent. What does it mean for an individual to quantitatively become more anti-Semitic? And given the amount of time people spend on TikTok, it wouldn't take long for millions to max out on anti-Semitism, it would seem. She was relying on a viral Twitter graphic that claimed that, quote, spending at least 30 minutes a day on TikTok increases the chances a respondent holds anti-Semitic or anti-Israel views by 17%, end quote. 
But an analysis of the survey that these claims are based on by the website Semaphore suggests that users of other social media platforms, like Twitter and Meta's Instagram and Threads, are actually more likely than TikTok users to hold anti-Semitic or anti-Israel views. Further, comparing users to non-users at best suggests a correlative rather than causal relationship, and there is no indication in the survey data that spending more time on any social media platform leads to more anti-Semitic views. The most accurate way to sum up the survey data goes something like this. According to a non-scientific survey, social media users are somewhat more likely than non-users to respond to questions about current events in a way that suggests they might hold views that can be considered anti-Semitic or anti-Israel. This is a far cry from the claim that TikTok causes anti-Semitism. In entertainment news, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour is the first concert tour to cross the billion-dollar threshold in gross sales, according to box office tracking firm Polestar. Swift accomplished the record in record time, needing just 60 shows in 24 cities across eight months to achieve the total. Swift nearly doubled the second-highest-grossing tour of 2023. Beyoncé pulled in just shy of $600 million in gross ticket sales. Tours put on by Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, Coldplay, and Harry Styles round out the top five. On this date in history, December 8, 1854, Pope Pius IX pronounced the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception as official Catholic Church dogma, declaring in an infallible apostolic constitution that Mary, Jesus' mother, was free of the effect of original sin since the moment of her conception. Pope Pius XII would build upon this doctrine with the conclusions of his own Mariology, declaring in an encyclical in 1943 that Mary had lived, quote, free from all sin, original or personal, end quote. The Feast of the Immaculate Conception is celebrated on December 8th, unless the 8th falls on a Sunday, in which case the solemnity is moved to the following Monday, so as not to interfere with an Advent Sunday the celebration of which takes precedence over all feasts and solemnities. Say what you will about doctrinally mandated beliefs only revealed to the Church by God some 18-plus centuries since its founding. The Catholics sure do have the particulars of the calendar down pat. Now, a confession of ignorance offered with humility. Though I was raised quite Catholic, was an altar boy, went to Catholic school, and consider myself fairly well-versed in most of the top-billed dogmas, I have been operating under the mistaken impression, for as long as I can remember, that the Immaculate Conception referred to the conception of Jesus upon Mary's rather intimate visit from the Holy Ghost, rather than Mary's own conception. Now, here's a look at the weather. A report in USA Today suggests that some House Republicans are having conversations about possibly expelling fellow Republican Matt Gates of Florida from Congress. Gates, who led the effort to strip Kevin McCarthy of the House Speakership, is reportedly widely disliked by colleagues, some of whom reportedly voted for the ouster of George Santos in order to establish the precedent that would allow them to similarly give Gates the boot after a House Ethics Committee report on Gates is released in the coming weeks or months. The story is a juicy and delightfully messy one, if you're into that sort of thing. 
From the piece, quote, Another House Republican who spoke to USA Today on the condition of anonymity to speak about the conference's attitude towards Gates said members are waiting for any ethics report on Gates to be released before publicly calling for his ouster. If there's anything in there that's bad, I can guarantee people will have their fangs out. He is hated in our conference, the House Republican said. If he comes back as guilty in this ethics thing, I think he's in trouble. In a recent closed-door conference meeting, the Republican recalled Gates stood up to speak but was yelled at by members to sit down and shut up, reflecting the animosity GOP lawmakers still harbor for Gates, end quote. The fact that it's Gates' own Republican colleagues who despise him so much is what is notable here. In fact, the most noxious individuals in Congress are now so awful that the opposing parties are more likely to want to keep them around as useful punching bags, while their own co-partisans would like to throw them over a cliff. While the parties are radically diminished in the sway they hold over their own members, their institutional grip on the levers of power is as strong as ever. And because there are so many non-competitive districts, more extreme candidates keep winning, and no one in the party structure can tell them anything. These more extreme politicians need the party infrastructure less than ever, because they can reach their constituents via partisan media or their own social channels, and always have the boogeyman of the evil other side as the ultimate backstop of support in their highly gerrymandered districts. And nobody gets primaried in their own party by people more to the middle. The party's ability to police their own is further diminished by the fact that big political machine money is less important than ever. Gee, thanks, grassroots. The successful entrenchment of party power thanks to gerrymandering leads to a hollowing out of whatever ideology might have first birthed the movement, as it no longer needs to really compete in the field of ideas. We are left with these incredibly powerful husks, parties that are forced to absorb the most extreme members of their coalition, can't successfully tell them what to do, are less functional than ever, but whose institutional dominance hasn't unraveled a bit. It's the worst possible outcome. All power, no control. That's the weather from here. How's it look out your window? The Morning Press is a production of the BrainIron.com multinational media empire. Please direct comments and complaints to BrainIronPodcast at gmail.com or visit the website at BrainIron.com. For a transcript of today's episode and links to the stories referenced, find The Morning Press at BrainIron.substack.com. Thanks, and barring the sudden onset of the inevitable, we'll talk to you tomorrow. The Proceedings was created with 100% human content.